Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Well, friends, good morning. As we move out of the Easter season and back into ordinary time, the church gives us over these three successive weeks, some incredible solemnities. We had Pentecost last weekend, Trinity Sunday this weekend, and Corpus Christi next weekend. And uh, just some beautiful, beautiful feasts that are all very deeply, tightly interconnected. But what I want to do, I want to just kind of zone in on Trinity Sunday because there's plenty to talk about on just Trinity Sunday without trying to tie it to the other solemnities. And I'm not going to lie, there is something very frustrating about Trinity Sunday. I was telling some folks in the sacristy before Mass that Um, The very first Mass that I celebrated the day after I was ordained, May 22nd, 2016, was Trinity Sunday. And uh, it's it's notorious within the priest-preacher world that it's known as Heresy Sunday, right? Because it's the mystery of the Trinity, and it's hard to get right, and you're probably going to say something wrong. And I'm like, oh, great. My first Mass, Trinity Sunday. Oh, gosh, I'm glad the bishop's not coming. But Trinity Sunday, it uh, it might as well be... Christianity Sunday for all intents and purposes, right? Like, it's just so broad. There's just so much to talk about. So I was sitting with the Lord, and I was asking the Lord, all right, help me zero in my focus, not just for my sake, but for your sake, because it's a nice day, and we want to get out of here at some point. So the Lord gave me three words. It was what and how and why. What, how, and why. These are the three words we're going to look at. So given that the doctrine of the Trinity is the central mystery of the faith, we're going to do our best here this morning to sketch an answer to the question, what is it that we believe when we as Christians say we believe in the Trinity? What are we talking about? Then perhaps maybe in a backwards sort of order, but hey, I get to decide these things because I'm the one talking. Then we're going to move to the why. We're going to look at, or at the how rather, how we've come to this honestly paradoxical belief about God. How did, how did we come to this, Right? And then, uh, if you're, there's still time and you're all still here, uh, I want to try and propose at least one reason as to why any of this actually concretely matters for us. Why this is so much more than just, I don't know, theological speculation. Why we should actually care about the triune nature of God. Okay, so if you're going to keep score, that's what we got. What and how and why. That's where we're going. I don't want to take uh, words or concepts for granted here. Uh, So when we say Trinity, what I mean by that, what we mean by that is this, that as Christians we believe in one God, one God who exists, or to use the theologically rich word, the Trinity subsists, the one God subsists in the relationship of three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We can put it this way, there's one what in three who's. If anybody's confused already, you're, you're picking up what I'm putting down, right? One what in three who's. What answers the question of nature? Who answers the question of person, right? What am I, human being? Who am I, Father Patrick Schultz? What is God? The na- you've got one God in the relationship of three persons. Now, how do we make sense of that? Well, throughout the history of the church, we've try to put forth some analogies, but whenever we're trying to put forth an analogy, they end up being bad analogies that kind of skew us into some heretical directions, right? So P. 
people have tried to explain it by saying, okay, well, it's like the, the three leaves of a clover that comprise the one clover. <sighs> no, that's a heresy called partialism, right? Or think about, uh, is it like the states of water, right? You've got the one substance water that's in the three modes of water and ice and liquid vapor. Is that what it is? No, that's a heresy called modalism. So it's none of those. It's not like that. It's richer than that. In God, there is a three-in-oneness. That's literally what the word Trinity means. It's where it comes from. It's a word that's not found in the Bible. Trinity, is you're never going to find it in the New Testament. It's St. Augustine who gave us the word Trinity. He, he created the word. It's the combination of two words, tria, meaning three, and unitas, meaning oneness, right? So he's saying in God, there's a three-in-oneness. When you're a theologian, you get to make up words. That's kind of what you get to do to explain things. So to say Trinity is to assert three statements at the same time. And it's this. There is one God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are each God. And the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are not the same person. When we say Trinity, we are asserting those three statements at the same time. That's a paradox. It's something that in our perspective is beyond our capacity to grasp. That's why we call it a mystery. This is a wild and revolutionary claim. This is not something we could have figured out on our own. This is not something we could have arrived at by reason alone. We can use our reason to arrive at the conclusion that there must be a God, right? Ancient philosophers, ancient cultures, they've all looked up to the heavens, they've all looked at nature, and they've all arrived at the conclusion, yes, there must be a God. It's a, it's a dogma of the faith, it's a doctrine of the faith that you don't need faith to know that God exists. It's right there in Scripture, Romans 1.20. The heavens declare the glory of God by the creation, by the witness of creation, we've been able to intuit the existence of a creator. But here's the thing, to know, to know the inner hidden life of God, to know that God is a trinity of persons, that's beyond reason. That's beyond our capacity to know. God had to reveal that. He had to share that. And look, every single one of us knows the risk involved there to actually share your inner hidden world with another person to let someone in, to expose your heart, to let your heart be seen, to let the inner stuff become outer stuff, to be revealed, requires risk and vulnerability. It's one of the things I was praying about with this solemnity today, that it might as well be called the feast of the vulnerability of God. The fact that we know God is a trinity means that God took the risk and he opened his heart to let us in. Okay, so that's the what. So, how and when and in what way did God reveal himself? Well, I already said it a little bit ago that the first revelation of God where he's beginning to peel back the layers to let us in is in creation, right? Creation is the first revelation of the creator, but then it goes further to the chosen people of Israel. This is the entire Old Testament, God speaking. And then that unbelievable moment where God gives his name to Moses at the burning bush. If I go back to the people of Israel, if I go back to your people, O Lord, says Moses, who shall I say sent me? What is your name? Ehe, asher, ehe. I am who am. That God gives his name. To have a name is to have an identity. It's to have relationship. He reveals 
his name, and he binds himself to this people, and he binds himself to this geographic location, and he says, I will be in covenant relationship with you. You can call on me, and I will answer you. He's revealing his heart more and more through the prophets, through the people. But then it goes further. The book of Hebrews says this, that after speaking in many and various ways through the prophets, now in, at last, in these days, God has spoken to us in his Son. The incarnate word, right, Jesus, is the Trinity being revealed. Right? Out of the eternal silence of the Trinity, John of the Cross says, out of the eternal silence of the Trinity, God has spoken one word. It's the word made flesh. Like, think about us. Think about our capacity to reveal ourselves, right? Because we're finite, because we're limited, we have to use many, 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 many words to reveal what's inside of us, right? Throughout the course of my life, so many words revealing my heart to people around me. I'm doing it right now. My inner world is being expressed through the speaking of my words. Now, imagine if I wasn't limited and finite. Imagine if I was infinite, divine, and omnipotent, if I had the power to speak one word to completely express my interiority. That's who Jesus is. He's the perfect expression of who the Trinity is, but most powerfully in his passion, death, and resurrection. Right? In the Paschal mystery, this is the Lord unfurling, revealing everything in his heart. My favorite paragraph in the Catechism, paragraph 221 says this, that God's very being is love. By sending his Son and the Spirit of love in the fullness of time, God has revealed his innermost secret. I love that line. He spilled the beans. He's told us everything. God has revealed his innermost secret. What secret? That God himself is an eternal exchange of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he has destined us to share in that exchange in other words, without Jesus, without the Word made flesh, without the incarnation, we would never know that God is a trinity. Or, and I should add, nor would we know that our destiny is to be taken up and united into the very life of the trinity. I don't know if you caught that in that paragraph 221, that God has revealed his innermost secret, right? He's an eternal exchange of life and love. And then it says this, and... Are you with me this morning? And he has destined us to share in that exchange. Like, this is where it's headed. Like, the power, the force, the glory that revealed itself in the magnificence of the universe, the God that hung every star in the sky, that God who is so immensely powerful and glorious and ma majestic, that God says, I want to invite you into the very heart of my inner life for all eternity. You, yeah, okay, I just, just told you, can I, can I get an amen? Okay, glory, all right. Like, that's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Okay, so, Jesus is the revelation of the Trinity. For those of you who are musical folks, musically inclined, think of it this way. That when the eternal heavenly love song that is the Trinity when that life and love of glory is transposed into an earthly, visible key, it looks like Jesus. In particular, it looks like Christ dying on the cross. What does the Trinity's love look like in creation? It looks like that. That's what it looks like. Right? 
Jesus pouring himself out in love, holding on to nothing. In other words, Jesus, when he came to tell us about who God is, he didn't just diagram it for us. He didn't pull out a chart. He didn't make like a Venn diagram and say, well, this is how it works. No, he showed us. He embodied it through his flesh, the word made flesh, the gift of his body, which was a masculine body that reveals the gift of God. The gift of God that pours forth into creation, that pours out of him in redemption. In his flesh, he's revealing who God is. The mystery of his masculine body revealed by the mystery of femininity in the church. Right? Symbolized in Mary's body. Like this, right, guys, and this right here, this is why all of this actually matters, concretely matters. Because I don't know if you notice, but we're living in an age where we're seeing an all-out assault on human embodiment. We're living in an age where we're seeing an all-out assault on what it means to be human, where people believe that our embodiment, that our flesh, has nothing to do with our identity, that there's no such thing as masculinity or maleness or femininity and femaleness, that, that the thought that that thinking that sexuality is this binary between male and female, that's an outdated, bigoted, old-timey thought. That's the age that we're living through. That the current science, the current wisdom, is that there's an infinite number of genders. There's just not. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, I just... I mean, God love these people, but my goodness. Pope St. John Paul II, reflecting on our humanity in light of God's triune love, he said this, that the body, the body, in fact, only the body is capable of making visible what is invisible, the spiritual and the divine. The body's been created to transfer into the visible reality of the world the mystery hidden from eternity in God, and thus to be a sign of it. And what is the mystery hidden from eternity in God of which the body is a sign? The Trinity, that God himself is an endless exchange of life and love, union and communion. Like, think of it this way, the grammar by which God has chosen to speak this truth into creation is through the language of our humanity, that through the body, God has written the story of himself. He's carved it into our flesh, into the capacity for the two to become one flesh in a life-giving, loving union. Right? Our God is three in one. When the two in marriage become flesh, when they become one, they become so much one that nine months later, they have to give it a name. And they're three in one. Just like our God is three in one. Right? Our bodies, God is saying, our bodies, the church is teaching, reveal the clues to the deepest questions about life, about where we come from and where we're going and how we get there and what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? What is our ultimate destiny? All of that is revealed in our bodies. It's revealed through our bodies. Right? In order for the God who is a trinity of persons in order for God, who is a communion God, to be visible in creation, he didn't just make a man, he didn't just make a woman, he made a couple 
whose bodies and souls are complementary and reciprocally ordered towards each other in life-giving union. Right? He's saying this is what it means to be human. Or think about this. This is another paragraph from the Catechism, 704. God fashioned man with his own hands, that is, the Son and the Holy Spirit, and impressed his own form on the flesh he had fashioned in such a way that even what was visible what was visible might bear the divine form. Friends, here's, here's the practicality point, right? Right here, is the, this is the answer to why all of this matters. Second Vatican Council taught this. They said that when God is forgotten, the creature grows unintelligible. When God is forgotten, we forget who we are. And in this increasingly confused and secular culture in which we live that has pushed God further and further and further to the margins, it's a culture that results in us forgetting who we are. We forget who we are in our humanity. And we begin to think that we are the measure of all things. And as a result, we begin to think that we can and we should recreate our own humanity after our own imaginings and after our own likings. Which sets the stage for this chaotic culture in which we live at present. If we're God, we can remake all of this. And the more that our humanity is rendered unintelligible, right? What is a man? What is a woman? It doesn't matter. There's no such thing. The more our humanity is unintelligible, the less we're able to really see and understand who God is. And should we even trust him? Should we even be in relationship with him? Do you see there's this negative feedback loop that's been created in our world today? All of this comes from the enemy who hates God, and to attack God, he takes it out on us, confusing us, destroying us, because we're God's image bearers in creation. So the Trinity, the Trinity is the heart, right? The soaring, this soaring theology that's been developed in the heart of the church for centuries, beginning with the experience that the first apostles had with this God in the flesh, this man Jesus, who like somehow this guy is God, and he's talking to a, this person up there who is God, and he's going to send this other spirit who is God. Like this soaring theology that the church has been chewing on and reflecting on for centuries that men and women have died and bled for, this theology, this feast, paradoxically, is the most concrete and practical medicine for the chaos that our world is experiencing. The confusion that we're experiencing today, the sadness of our world today is because we don't know who God is. So there you have it, folks. Trinity Sunday, the, how, the what, the how, and the why. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.